0: Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly.
1: you got to understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be
2: meaningless.
0: so crazy about it. it's just music
3: welcome to sound opinions from chicago public radio and american public media i'm jim de the pop music critic at the chicago sun times and i'm greg kata i write about
2: rock and roll for the chicago tribune today on the world's only rock and roll talk show Jim and I are going to get a performance and an interview from one of the most
3: volatile bands in rock and roll, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And later on, we'll review the new albums from Lindsey Buckingham and the Vivian Girls. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news.
2: Master of Puppets by Metallica, and the uh, puppets and the puppeteers are realigning as we speak, Jim. Uh, the <laughs> record industry is going through massive changes, as we have been documenting on Sound Opinions for the last few years. And one of the biggest changes of all is about to occur. Ticketmaster, the largest ticket company in North America, is going to lose a major chunk of its business in the next couple of months when Live Nation, the world's largest concert promoter, uh, is going to pull out of, it, out of the Ticketmaster business and create its own ticketing company. Mm. But Ticketmaster already has Plan B in place. It has aligned itself with Irving Azoff's frontline management company and creating a new company called Ticketmaster Entertainment. Now, Azoff is one of the biggest players in the music industry as we know it. He manages the careers of major, major artists who have played Ticketmaster venues for decades. Artists like the Eagles, Jimmy Buffett, Neil Diamond, Van Halen, Fleetwood Mac, Christina Aguilera, Stevie Nicks, Aerosmith, Steely Dan, Journey, and Guns N' Roses. Bands that have brought in millions and millions of dollars to the record industry over the years. Now Ticketmaster is getting into the management business with Azov. Azoff, a man with nine lives.
3: Like yeah. Clive Davis, every time you think he's dead, he resurfaces with some new plan to reinvent the business. Well, before management, Azoff ran MCA Records, one of the largest record companies in the world. He was known throughout the industry by the not very flattering nickname of the Poison Dwarf. <laughs> you know, Live Nation's doing these 360 deals with artists like Madonna, right, where they're going to be the record company and the touring company combined for, for these artists, You 2 right? With Azov and Ticketmaster getting together, they seem to be moving in the same direction. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see.
2: Azov in the last couple of years has, has done his own bit of reinvention by signing these exclusivity deals with these major retailers. The Eagles record, he arranged that exclusive mm-hmm. deal through Walmart. The Eagles had a huge success with that record, selling $7 million copies through walmart stores did the same thing with the acdc record is about to put the guns N' roses record exclusively into best buy so the record industry is being reinvented azoff at the forefront now ticketmaster wants a piece of his action and it'll be interesting to see what ticketmaster turns into once north america's largest ticketing company now getting into artist management could they become a record company next we'll wait and see
3: Greg, that is one of my favorite songs from the punk era. Remember the undertones? Teenage Kicks. Great band. Great stuff. I never knew this, but Feargold Sharkey has been moving from artist; he was the leader of the undertones, into uh, industry executive, and he recently became the chief executive of UK Music over in Great Britain. That's the umbrella organization that will represent songwriters, composers, musicians, record companies, managers, promoters, publishers, and producers in their battle to try to get the internet service provider to begin forking over some money for people who use them to illegally download music. I think that the record companies are realizing we are never going to stop people from illegally downloading music. So now we're going to go after the ISPs on the one hand. We're going to make people who provide you the Internet begin uh, paying for whether you may use them illegally. Kind of like making car manufacturers pay for for people who may speed. (laughs) I don't understand that. On the other hand, in the U.S., the Universal Music Group is teaming up with Dell, which is the largest manufacturer of PCs in North America, to begin adding preloaded mp 3 3s from the Universal Catalog into new computers that are purchased from the company. A 50-song playlist is going to be $25 tacked onto your, your uh, computer. 100 songs for $50. It's going to be uh, DRM-free, so you can then copy it onto, you know, you can burn a CD and copy it to other players. You know, why would you want this? Why would you want to buy you know, music preloaded into your computer? It's a weird state of affairs. Yeah. I, I mean, the point of the news story, Jim, is that the computer companies are at the forefront
2: of this next frontier of how the industry is going to try to figure out how to deal with peer-to-peer file sharing. The point with the universal thing uh, with Dell is the price point. Okay. Instead of paying almost a buck for a tune as you would with iTunes, you're going to get a tune for about half that price according to this pre-bundled thing. But the problem is you don't have a choice in what that song is. And I think there are two issues here. At what point will consumers pay for music but also it's a matter of choice and in this case the industry has got half of it right the price is coming down but it's not giving the consumers any choice as Mm. to what those songs are going to be and until the industry comes up with a solution in which it allows consumers to have access to all the music that's out there at a reasonable price point and i think 50 cents per song is the beginning point of a reasonable discussion about what a reasonable price is they're not going to win this battle
4: last track
2: In a way, it's old news, what Wilco is telling us. Uh, you can't hear the great bands on the radio necessarily. This has been true for a long time, Jim. One of the reasons for that is uh, this issue of payola, pay for play. The biggest names, the biggest corporations have the most money and therefore can create access for whatever songs they want played. So in other words, the major labels have been dominating commercial radio airplay for the last you know, half century, basically. In 2007... A payola investigation found that the uh, major record companies and the radio stations have been colluding on payola. The record companies were forced to pay a fine of $12 million. Yeah. The big radio companies, CBS Radio, Clear Channel, Intercom, Citadel, agreed that they have to reform their ways and they will go ahead and start admitting more music onto their airwaves. They said, We are going to
3: clear a path for independent music on commercial radio. Well, that that wasn't out of altruism. That was their version of community service. Instead of putting on the orange vest and picking up litter at the side of the highway as part of their (laughs) penance along with the $12 they were supposed to play indie music to make good. That was their debt to society. But guess what, Jim? That Wilco song still applies because
2: the Future of Music Coalition has just released a study of the independent labels, 92% of which say nothing has changed (laughs) as a result of this agreement. (laughs) Shocking! We still can't get our songs on the radio. Commercial radio will still not play independent music and you know it should be as obvious as turning on on the knob in your in your car stereo you turn on that uh, car stereo you listen to commercial radio and what will you hear nearly 100 percent of the time will be a record paid for by a major label you will not hear an independent record played on a commercial radio station in america today so nothing has changed despite this agreement that was signed in 2007 basically supposedly ending payola forever you're listening to sound opinions and that is a track from dig lazarus dig one of the best albums of the year jim and i had the pleasure of reviewing that album a few months ago and the band that made that record nick cave and the bad seas were on a rare north american tour recently Cave, along with his accomplices Mick Harvey, Warren Ellis, and the rest of the gang, stopped into Sound Opinions for an interview and a live performance.
4: Well, well, rosary clutched in his hand, he died with tubes up his nose, and a cabal of angels with with finger symbols chanted his name in code. We. Shook our fists of the punishing rain, uh, and we
3: upon the And we are here with the mighty bad seeds. What an honor. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nick, you you have lived literally three lifetimes already at this point in your career. You are a published poet, playwright, novelist, been in one of the greatest punk bands of all time, the birthday party. Cult hero, singer-songwriter. Man, y- you've had a hit with uh, Kylie Minogue. You've been covered by Johnny Cash. And yet, your last two albums, with Grinderman and the new Bad Seas Records, are among the very strongest you have ever given us. How are you doing this at this point in your career, finding the inspiration to be so awesome? Uh, <laughs> That's a hell of a question. <laughs> I don't I'm know. a fan. By, by not doing a lot of radio shows.
1: <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Not hearing people tell you that all the time, right? yeah, um, we just
3: we, you know just do we, we just work work hard one of the times i 've interviewed you uh, you told me a couple of years ago, and it was two thousand and one. The challenge that you find is is in writing new songs that seem to go somewhere new for you all the time that 's really important to you. Do you feel like like you you 've had a real surge creatively with the A man record and dig lazarus dig
1: um there, yeah there seems to be a something going on there uh, there's um there was a certain type of song i guess that i was trying to write a few years ago that seems to have gotten written and now there's other ones that need to get written and um but you know they just uh, there's uh, there's always new stuff to write and i don't know mm-hmm.
2: well you're holding a guitar nick and that's uh, a new instrument for you
1: as well did that open up some avenues as a songwriter for you i mean i don't actually write that many songs
3: on the guitar i just sort of
1: paddle along here gives me something to do with my hands, stops me pointing my finger so much.
3: I mean, you, you'd never played guitar until three or four years ago, is that right?
1: Um, well, I have touched one, you know. Mm. <laughs> Most people in bands pick up a guitar and stuff. They're always around, sure. Yeah, they're always
3: around. But you were playing, last night you guys played the first two shows here at the Riviera in Chicago, and you played a fair amount of guitar on stage I, I don't know. I thought I thought you were the Lou Reed to Warren's uh, Sterling Morrison in, at some points in that show. It was a very intense double six-string attack, or five strings if, if Warren was playing the electric mandolin. A four. four. The only, well, four on the viola. If you're paying attention. What is that weird little uh, electric guitar that you play? It's a mandocaster. A combination
2: of a mandolin and a telecaster, is that what we're saying?
1: I guess so, yeah. yeah. They were smart, the people at Fender, weren't they? <laughs> but
2: it's a it's four string mandolin. You got some pretty violent sounds out of that thing. It was like.
1: I'm a violent man. Yes,
2: you are. Yeah. <laughs> How about some violent music? You want to play something for us, guys?
4: Well, Warren's ready for Dig Lazarus Dig, so we better play that one.
1: Shall we do that? All right, well, check this out, everyone, on public radio.
4: One. Two, three, four. Two for some, Lazarus. Two for some, Lazarus. Two for some, Lazarus. Take you 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 yourself. You yourself back in that, Larry made his nest up in the autumn branches, built from nothing but high hope and air. Collected up some baby and mothers, they took their chances And for a while they lived quite right happily Up there He came from New York City Man, but he couldn't take the pace He thought it was like A doggy dog world Then he went to San Francisco, spent a year Out of space With a sweet little San Franciscan Girl I can hear my mother wailing A whole lot of screaming I don't know what it is but there's definitely something going on upstairs Lies, just take yourself Lies, just dig yourself That's just dig your I want you to dig I want you to dig Meanwhile, Larry made up names for like little Miss Boo and Miss Quick He stockpiled weapons And took pot shots in the air And he feasted on their little bodies Like a lunatic And wrapped himself up in their soft yellow hair I can hear chants and incantations And some guys Mentioning me in his prayers I do Something going on upstairs Lash, just yourself Lash, just keep yourself Lash, just yourself We're oh, beautiful way to cut a long story short fame finally found him mirrors became his torturers, cameras snapped him at every chance, the women they all went back to their husbands with secret smiles in the corners of their mouths they ended up like so many of them do back on the streets of New York City in a soup queue a dope fiend a slave then prison in the madhouse, in the grave. Ah, poor Larry. Well, what do we really know of the dead? And who actually cares? I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something going on upstairs. Nice to stick so. Last take stick so
2: this great stuff you're listening to Sound Opinions that was Dig Lazarus Dig from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds a title song from their new album um, Warren Ellis committing violent acts to a viola over here it was a <laughs> that was like people were wondering what was that sound what was making that sound that was basically uh, Warren Ellis on a viola with uh, an armada of foot pedals correct Warren?
1: well it was the band there, too.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: We're going to have more of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds on sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media in just a minute. And then later on, Jim and I are going to review new albums from the Vivian Girls and Lindsay Buckingham.
4: A little Janie, she wakes up from a dream it like a job on down the way Mr. Chairman, he could recite today's lesson in his sleepy sails. There ought to be some kind of lure against me I'm going down. Japan on a winter a Mr. Sandman he runs around the corner trying to hit her off of the piers He sticks his head over the fans and he yells something way
0: too fair Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island the brewers of Next Coast IPA 312 Urban Wheat Ale and Bourbon County Stout Pairing beer and music since 1988 They believe it's always best to listen critically and enjoy responsibly. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. When
4: I came up from out of the meat locker, the city was gone. The sky's full of lights. The snow provides a silent cupboard. Under the snow
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We're going to continue our conversation with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in a minute here. You know, Nick is a literary songwriter. He uses a lot of biblical allusions in his songs, and uh, I asked him about that. How does the Bible figure into his songwriting?
4: I turn on the radio I listen to the DJ.
2: You know, a lot of a lot has been made, Nick, that you write a lot about, you use the Bible as inspiration, and at one time you were quoted as saying uh, the 80s and 90s were about Old Testament songs, and in the 21st century, it's kind of New Testament songs.
1: Why has it been such an inspiration for you? Oh, um, look, a lot of books and stuff have been, you know, inspired me to do stuff. Well, I don't know. To be honest, I don't really know. I, I actually didn't, I tried desperately with this record to not... Let any kind of religion in, but it just sort of kinda of seeped in a bit. Seeped in through the back door. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and I stepped out on the streets, all spark and clean the early morning dew. Maybe it was you and maybe it was me. It came on like a punch in the heart. You lying there with the light on your hair like a Jesus of the moon. Of
3: the planets and the stars. You were, Your, your uh, father was an English teacher And an administrator And mom was a librarian, is that right? Yeah uh, Was literature always uh, as big a part Of your upbringing as music?
1: Uh, more so, mm. more so, yeah
3: what was, the, what was the first book you remember reading That really, you know, made this a I huge impact? I love those
1: uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, Tarzan novels mm. when, as a kid Mm-hmm. And and I remember reading it. there's some great bits of ri- great writing in there, and uh, and and feeling really kind of um, excited by that. Yeah. he's the greater of the Oh
3: <laughs> Better than William S. Oh, really? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Wow,
2: that's a radical statement. Yeah, well here we are
1: <laughs> on public radio. <laughs> I don't know, Junkie's pretty great. Yeah, but he doesn't have rice. Oh, well, there, there
3: there you go. What inspired you to do music in the first place?
1: Um, well, because I um, failed. Everything else.
3: Was there ever any thought to being a writer instead of a a songwriter?
1: No, not really. I mean, I do. I I just don't see why I can't do whatever. Everything. Yeah.
3: Can you tell us how the Grinderman record last year sort of... Warren,
1: Warren, why don't you talk about that?
3: Yeah, how did that... Warren, what was the perspective and how Grinderman led to Dig Lazarus Dig and the differences between those two recordings? Man,
1: that's a hard one. Um... I don't know, it just came after it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, like, you know, (laughs) we.
3: Just chronologically followed. I mean, it was a surprise. We'd we'd been
1: playing in this smaller formation. Yeah. With Nick. And uh, that, over a few years, led to Grinder Man. And then we did a Bad Seeds album, because that was before it. And. A bunch well, what, of other stuff. Uh, what, what happens is that you know everything that you get involved in it, it it does inform the next thing. It can't help but but influence the next thing you do, and that doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what you're if involved. It's good. Whether it's yeah, or if it's bad, <laughs> or if it's bad, <laughs> if it's yeah, bad it's it tells true. you know, what not to do. You know? It's a reaction,
3: yeah, and it gets so, that out of your system. Um, so it's all
1: grist to the mill, as they say.
3: Well, Grinderman is a nasty recording. It was nasty, you know. It's nasty on album. It's nasty live when you guys played it last year. I think that the, the most just
0: harsh and Sexy. abrasive.
3: Yeah, well, wonderful. I'm using nasty in, in the in the best sense of the word. Uh, I like nasty. Yeah, nasty, but also a celebration, a celebratory nasty.
2: Yeah, I guess. mean, you know, it was, it was Nick Warren and Martin and Jim, basically, for the bad
4: seats. Don't the stars look good tonight Thought electric Alice In the pale moonlight Don't the moon look big and bright Thought electric Alice in the pale moonlight. To my mind,
2: I'm, I'm hearing a lot of songs that potentially, in uh, less practiced hands, might have been a midlife crisis record. You know, talking about oh, I'm getting getting older, and well, is that strutting. a bad is that
1: a bad thing? No,
2: and it, you did not make it into a bad thing, is what I'm saying. And it seemed like this, you know, you're raging in the face of this, and also poking fun at it, and and celebrating it in a lot of ways. And it seemed like an album you, uh, you know. You were going to take the opposite tack rather than, than than
1: sort of letting this get the best of you. You well, were going well, to celebrate let, Letting what get the best of... Aging. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't go for that midlife crisis thing. I never had one.
3: I mean, as much Maybe as I'm I... Maybe I'm having uh, one,
1: but I never had one. I just think that's, uh, that's just one more way of... Um, Stopping you from having a good time, man. <laughs> well,
3: because I think, I think what we were thinking of, Nick, is, is like, you know, you see Lou Reed today, and he plays with the, the music stand in front of him, and he's reading, you know, the lyrics to his new uh, songs as if he's giving a, a college lecture, whereas... I, 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 I
1: saw him play, last year, play guitar at a, at a kind of Leonard Cohen thing, hmm. and he was amazing. He got up there and just slammed into his guitar, and there, there was none of that kind of stuff. So that so quite, was nasty so, again. Well, I don't know if it's. Uh, he's amazing yeah. to me. That guy he can kind of do what he wants anyway, yeah. can't he? Um, I mean, he cares yeah. if he gets? I mean, in. it's not really for us to stand in judgment of, of that man. Mm-hmm. Us, us, uh, us lesser, yeah. us lesser mortals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly, I'm not actually talking about myself here.
3: Right, 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 right. Yeah. You're talking about yourself, Mick? No, you know, I, I mean he's talking about you. Oh, 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 I see. Well, I know, but we're critics. That's the, what we do. Uh, we've been nice to it? you, though. I mean, we both... Cotton and I both listed Grinderman's record last year as one of the best of the year. We, we've been uh, waxing rap side. But, uh, you know, no, so... No, that's,
1: that's good. No, but I mean, look, you know, I mean... I, I'm, I, I, I love Lou Reed. Yeah. And... um Everybody goes through different things to try and get to different places and he seems to continue to sort of be adventurous with what he does and try and find different places for his music to go and that's I think that 's what we try as well sometimes it may not be the right place to go or the wrong place who knows it's just um, it's it's just where things have to go on,
3: on occasions, I don't think it's an exaggeration. Although you know I'm a mere mortal, so my critical <laughs> facilities are, may be suspect. But to say that the Bad Seeds, Nick, are one of the the great backing bands in in rock history, oh, when you sit down and write, are you writing for seven or eight well, people and imagining what the Bad Seeds will do? No, but something?
1: but I, I have a I have a certain confidence that the, the sort of bunch of chords that I write and the words that when I take it into the studio. This band will do something amazing with it, you know. Mm. And I, I mean, when I'm writing stuff alone, I, I, I uh, and it, it just sounds like it doesn't make any sense to me at all, really, until I get it into the studio and, and the band
3: sort of knock it into shape, you know. So you sort of realize what you've created once they take it and begin to get oh, totally, their personality. totally, yeah. Mm. yeah.
2: And it's it's a tremendous body of work. You're 14 albums in to a career with the Bad Seeds. How do you keep it fresh Nick? Is there any kind of uh any kind of tricks that you use? I mean, how do you know when you've done something new? I guess that's the goal every time out.
1: Well, when it stops sounding like something old. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it what it what it's like. It's to go into the where I work when I'm writing stuff on my own and keep writing until you start getting a certain feeling about what you're writing that is um that is different to the feeling that you've had before or, or a sort of excitement about what you're doing. And that sometimes takes quite a while to get to that point. But I don't think anyone's uh, interested in just making the same record over and over again. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, are you able
2: to be brutally honest with each other? I mean, are there pretty good BS detectors in the band where you can actually have arguments and say, you know, that's not working, that stinks, you know, we need to start this over? I mean,
3: no. what are those discussions like? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't happen? Doesn't happen. <laughs> Even Mick, after being with you for all these years, can not come up and say, you know, Nick, this one is not... Top dry.
1: Definitely not. No, no, no. no. They, they, <laughs> they, have, they have one song. They usually grab one song and kick it. Far, t- far too frightened to do that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: You know, a couple of years ago, uh, Nick, you were living on a houseboat, and you would walk to an office uh, to write every day. You were man. Have you been insane. stalking me? or something? Yeah, I- I've written about you before. Out. See, you <laughs> know, it's one of these deals where you're on the phone in in the UK or whatever. I'm here. You're I have, freaking me out. The album comes out. We talk every year, but we've just never met. You know. Okay. And then I go see the show, and you're on stage, and I'm. You know, anyway, well, I don't. I don't live in a
1: houseboat anymore. No,
3: no, no. I know, but do you still go to an office every day and write? You, you were describing this very disciplined way of working, where you know, just like 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 a nine to five yeah, job. Well,
1: well I, I I have to uh, be on my own to write lyrics. I'm not able to do it in other way. So, so I go to a place on my own and do that. Yeah.
2: So the lyrics and maybe a few chords, and bring that to the band, and then it, then it becomes a song. That's pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much the working method. Yeah. Wow. And you do a lot of. Uh, everybody in the band does a lot of outside work uh, I know you do outside projects uh, I, I know you I, I think you and Warren are working on a,
1: a film score or is it is it done? Well you we know, nearly finished the the, the, uh, the score to the uh, film The Road uh, of the Cormac McCarthy novel Wow that's pretty cool That's going to be great And that's I all- mean the, the movie is going to be great
2: mm-hmm. And is that instrumental music or any lyrics? lyrics? No, no no
1: no They don't want me singing on it <laughs> no one wants me singing on it yeah. <laughs> that's it's post-apocalyptic enough uh-huh mm. well, what's the
2: next year like though uh you said the film score what what else is coming up for you
1: um there's a new novel um that comes out in the uh, middle of next year i think
3: and um new grinder man record that's the next thing we're making how did you find time to write another novel in between I mean, because you, you've been putting out a lot of music there, You know, the Bad Seas have been prolific In the last three, four years
1: Well, there's a lot of time on the bus We've been touring a lot And mm. I, bas- I, I wrote it on the uh, tour bus, actually
3: Wow That's yeah. very disciplined <laughs> So you work well, hard, Well, I mean, you,
1: you should come on our tour bus <laughs> yeah. it's, it's grindingly <laughs> tedious
2: Now, you write it on a laptop or uh, write it out longhand? I, I, I
1: wrote it by longhand Yeah?
2: Wow yeah. Old school Twenty years on the tour bus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's a certain it's a certain kind of
1: novel, so I just had to keep my ears open and pretty much write down what everyone said. You're just transcribing what's I'm happening. I'm transcribing you. the pornographic thoughts of my uh, fellow colleagues. <laughs> there you go.
3: It's not writing; it's typing, mm. although in your hand, yeah. mm. long handwriting. That's right. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you guys here. That was what you were going to play for us, right? Or we can't persuade you to play another.
1: I can do whatever you like. We can we can play uh you know just about anything. Tupelo would be awesome. <laughs> All
0: right.
1: Look, <laughs> look yonder. Looky, looky yonder, looky,
4: looky yonder A big black cloud coming, yeah, a big black cloud coming. Yeah, come to Tupelo, come to Tupelo Yonder on the horizon, yonder on the horizon Stop the mighty river and suck the damn thing dry Thunder Rumble, just Thunder Rumble. Rumble hungry like the beast. The beast didn't come up, the cometh down. The beast didn't come up, the cometh down. The beast didn't come up, the cometh, cometh down. Whoa, oh Yeah, Tupelo. Man. Yeah, I'm no. below ah, Well, the beast didn't come up, the below back Get that cock to crow uh, While the neck is pooped and crazy Oh God, open to below Oh God, open to below You can see these streets are rivers You can call these rivers streets uh, You can tell yourself you're dreaming, buddy Those no little are so steep Yeah, those no little are so steep Oh God, open to below 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 up to below go to sleep my little children the same man's on his way go to sleep my little children the same man's on his way but the little children know yeah the little children know they listen to the beating of their blood listen to the beating of their blood listen to the beating of their blood listen to the beating of their blood, the, of their blood. the same man's murder the same man's murder the same man's murder the same Oh God, I'm a tubalone. Oh God, I'm a tupelo. Oh God, I'm a tupelo. Oh God, I'm a tupelo. Sunday steals. Child is born on his brother's heels. Sunday morning, the first bone dead. Shoot box tied with a ribbon of red. Oh. to Yeah, the shoot tied with a ribbon of red. Well, Saturday gives what Sunday steals. Child is born on his brother's heels. Sunday done with a-
2: Tupelo from uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Great song, great band. Uh, thank you. Nick and the Bad Seeds, thank you so much for being on Sound Opinion. Thank
1: Enjoy you
3: really very nice much. You. <laughs> Holy Christmas in your palm now, see it's splitting, for all of Nick Cave's live performance and footnotes on this and every show visit soundopinions.org Greg and I will be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with reviews of the new albums from The Vivian Girls and former Fleetwood Mac guitarist Lindsey Buckingham
4: Was that carried your babies away. Are your kids trip from their teeth? The nights are long and the day it offers no relief. You spread yourself like a penitent on the mad vibrating sand, and to your teeth arranged to meet your midnight. Leaf. Everybody's a coming around of my place. Everybody's a coming around my place. Everybody's a coming.
2: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. That is the voice and guitar of Lindsey Buckingham, the auteur of Fleetwood Mac for the last 30 years and also a solo artist in his own right. He's got a new solo record out called Gift of Screws. It's uh, his second record in three years, but only the fifth of his career, stretching back to the 70s. His 2006 release, Under the Skin, was more of a an acoustic, folk-based kind of record. Gift of Screws amps up the electricity and the rock and roll quotient considerably. Buckingham has consistently done eccentric work as a solo artist, apart from his more polished production work with Fleetwood Mac. Had numerous hits with Fleetwood Mac. The solo records seem to be reserved for his more private bedroom-type recordings, and this is no exception. Before we review the record, let's listen to a track from it. It's the title track, Gift of Screws, from Lindsey Buckingham on Sound Opinions.
3: That's Gift of Screws, the title track from Lindsey Buckingham's new solo album. Though on that particular song, John McVie and Mick Fleetwood, his uh, bandmates in Fleetwood Mac, are actually backing him a little taste of what uh, could have been a Fleetwood Mac song. You know, I've interviewed Buckingham a couple of times, Greg, as I know you have, and one of the things uh, he, well, the thing he always says when you ask him about, why are you so slow in putting out solo albums? He says, (laughs) you know, every time I think I have one together, Fleetwood Mac calls me, and all the songs get sucked up into the Fleetwood Mac project. That wasn't the case with Under the Skin, an album that I admired for its artistry more than I actually liked. It it was so Mm -hmm. quiet and precious. And then this record uh, popped on my desk, and it's got this uh, title, Gift of Screws, that references the poetry of emily dickinson and i'm like mm. all right but no he's having fun here yeah. he is cutting loose he's turning up the amp he's doing roots rock at one moment and you know power pop at another and it's just great to hear a guy who's so eccentric and so talented and so all over the map just basically rocking out and having fun
2: yeah, it is a an exciting record for Lindsey Buckingham, one you didn't expect at this stage in his career. I mean, there were a few overt references to Fleetwood Mac in it, but basically it's a far more eccentric record than he ever would have made with yeah. Stevie Nicks in the same room. And I think the key to it is his guitar playing. He's an incredibly gifted guitar player, and you hear all sorts of different types of guitar playing on this record. That riffing, that barbed wire riffing on Wait For You, kind of a throwback to what Peter Green was doing in the early Fleetwood Mac before Mm -hmm. Buckingham joined the band. There's also this kind of madman aspect to this record, the demented laughter that that is coursing (laughs) through some of these songs, the the way he's using his vocals and not trying to sound pretty at all, really hitting on some dark dark subjects, including the whole notion of, you know, selling out. Have I sold my soul to Fleetwood Mac, I believe is the question that he is asking in one of these songs. So from that standpoint, I think this is a far more interesting record than he ever could have made with Fleetwood Mac at this stage in his career, and uh, certainly one of the best records of the year it's sort of floating under the radar because it doesn't have that big brand name attached to it but uh, this is a very very strong record and i think on the buy it burn it trash it scale we use here at sound opinions as
3: a buy a record for me yeah i will have to agree a buy it record for lindsey buckingham That is a song called Tell the World by the Vivian Girls, a trio from Brooklyn. It happens to be a video that's getting a lot of buzz on the net. Very cute, very lo-fi. This is a band that's building considerable buzz, Greg. As I said, based in Brooklyn, three young women. Debut album originally released in May, with a limited run of 500 copies, just came out again, issued on CD uh, in October. They were starting to build at South by Southwest last March. I think it's reached a crescendo with the recent College Music Journal conference in New York. People are talking about this band. Named, interestingly enough, the Vivian Girls. For the outsider artist from Chicago, this man who was a janitor, Henry Darger, um, he's really controversial because on the one hand, it's very naive youngster art, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I think it plays into the aesthetic of this band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, these young sort of sexless naif children, but he invented this fantasy world where these children, the Vivian girls, were were slaves and they were tortured by unseen evil forces. It's very disturbing stuff. The Vivian girls girls are playing with this in terms of on the one hand we're pretending we're 9 years old we just picked up these instruments on the other hand it's very very sophisticated music let's play a song from it and give some thoughts about this self-titled debut by the vivian girls this tune is entitled where do you run to on sound opinions <laughs>
2: Run to from the new Vivian Girls record, the self titled debut. I think the Darger reference is very apt because Darger talked about this collision of innocence and extreme violence in that epic work that he created. And I think that's what we're hearing here, those innocent voices against these scuzzed-up guitars and these trash can drums. It's intentionally lo-fi. The production is, is, you know, it's not about the production, but there is a sound here, and and it's a cool sound. I I think that's an absolutely haunting song. Mm -hmm. There are these explosions of exhilaration where they're talking, I want to tell the whole world about the new love that I found. And then there's a dark undertow in a song like that where they, they almost seem haunted by this idea of, of walking into this new world or this new love and finding out what it means. You know, young women walking into the adult world and yeah. having all of their innocence corrupted by it. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful theme. It has been the bedrock of rock and roll for as long as we've known it. They're not doing anything new, but they're doing it very, very well. And I think this record is exactly what it needs to be. It didn't need to be any longer. Some people say, well, it's only 22 minutes. It's only 10 songs. I no, say, it's, it's just right.
3: What more can you do? I mean, these are perfect little pop songs, and I think this is a buy-it record. I agree. I agree it's a buy-it record. I'm overcoming my, my dislike for the uh, lo-fi aesthetic. I am not a fan of other bands like Times New Viking that are bringing back that guided by voices and yeah. tons of four track artists before them. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, you can make a record that sounds like it was made in your basement with no talent, but why do that when you can make a record that sounds good? I don't, yeah. I don't On the other hand, the songs are so strong here that they transcend the production, they transcend the hype. You should buy the record.
2: So two enthusiastic biots from Jim and I On the Vivian Girls As well as for Lindsay Buckingham Next week we have A fascinating interview With the guy Who got left out Of this most recent Eagles reunion <laughs> Don Felder A guy who wrote Some of the great songs In the Eagles canon A great guitar player For 30 years In that band With an illuminating Biography of how that band rose to fame and then fell apart.
3: Greg, we have some thank yous to say. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds were recorded by uh, Mary Gaffney and Sarah Toulouse. Sound Opinions was produced, as always, by our ace team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn, And our fearless leader, our executive producer, a man who was really frightened, I think, when the Bad Seeds were running around here like pirates <laughs> on the pirate ship, Tori Southside Malatina.
2: Sound opinions. Everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say.
0: New no messages. Hi, my name is Anne. I live in Chicago, and uh, you guys had just asked on the air if people would rather have a hard copy or just kind of keep it in their computer, which can always get erased. Um, I'm one of the only people I know who still buys actual CDs. And, of course, I get stuff burned to me from friends. But um, just to me, I just like to have the album. I like to see the artwork. I like to have the hard copy. For me, it's like a piece of memorabilia, and uh, it's a little bit more valuable than just having the music. Thank you very much. Bye.
2: Hey, what's going on? My name is Sala. I'm from Edmonds, And um, I was just calling about... uh, the whole leasing of audio tracks. And um, I just wanted to put in my two cents, the idea that people are going to want to have their music in some collection that they can't honestly really get to because with Wi-Fi, it's so hard to, you know, to
0: find Wi-Fi connections everywhere. So I just think it's a ridiculous idea, and I think it's just another last chance of grasping something that they just really can't at this point. They need to try to kind of, like,
2: open up, stop trying to monopolize the audio business and do something different. But, yeah, that was what I had to say, my friend. Bye. Hi, this is Arthur from Schomburg, Illinois, and I just heard your show with the Radio Doctors. And I, like your caller, was pretty down on music, enjoyed a lot of the stuff that came out in the early 90s, and I just wanted to thank you guys. Uh, without appointment, you guys turned me on to Parts and Labor, and I've got the first two albums, and I really think they're great. Uh, inspired me to listening to some good music again and i just heard your review of the new album and i'm looking forward to purchasing that one so i just want to thank you
3: guys for turning me on to a really great band thanks bye bye
0: Hi, this is Mary Alice from Juneau, Alaska. I really loved your playing that song, Bernadette. I had heard it before, um, and maybe never really paid attention to it, but you're right, the emotion with which that song was sung was really awesome, and I was glad you paid such a tribute to it, so thanks, bye. Bye. Hey guys, this is Allison from Durham, North Carolina. I was listening to the show yesterday with my 15-month-old daughter Ella. I had promised when I adopted her three months ago that I wasn't going to be a Barney mom—that she was going to hear real music and not just the garbage that they make for kids. So she's definitely developed some taste. She really loved Al Green. She likes tons of hip hop, and she has apparently reserved a special hatred for Shania Twain. <laughs> But when you started playing the Wire song, the 15th, she started in the middle of the kitchen wiggling that can only be described like Goldie Hawn on an episode of Laughing. It was hysterical. I wondered if it was just a fluke. So last night some friends were over, including um, a 10-year-old who had also been listening to the show at the same time I was at her house. We started playing it, and sure enough, off she went again. She been listening to it all day and wiggling all over the house.
4: Thanks for a great show. Bye. It was soon there.
3: No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.